0: good morning good morning what a happy group today huh amen okay. amen it's good to see everyone here this morning and uh young and old and in between and uh like to uh just uh, give a uh, say a word of of thanks and and to the lord uh, that uh, ian and miranda are here with uh nora and they're doing Praise God from whom all blessings flow, right? Amen. And, uh, and there, and we want to just uh, say, uh, give a, a thank you to all those uh, that were able to uh, help do the moving. And there's a great undertaking and lots of moving. And uh, so I want to thank everyone for, as, uh, as the church body of chipping in and, and, and helping. So I want to thank everyone for that. Uh, We have a couple of announcements in the uh, bulletin, and uh, youth group um, uh, tomorrow night, all ages at six o'clock, out here in the vestry, and um, we also just, we uh, made the announcement last week that we'll be having our uh, uh, spaghetti supper on uh, Sunday, September 12th, I think that's the sunday after this coming sunday i think i don't remember mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> yes. so if you uh so be in prayer for that and uh and love to see everybody uh, attend that and uh just have a uh really good time of fellowship for that and apparently we're there's a sign-up sheet in the back of the church if you're planning to attend is that it I'm looking for a head okay all right so if you can sign up if not you won't be disbarred. So, all right, but that kind of gives everybody a, an idea of. Might not get as much food, that's right, that's right. But I've never seen a church supper where there wasn't plenty of food, right? I don't know about other places, but any other announcements this morning? And veggies in the back. Veggies in the back. I know. Gabe was just eating a, a, a bean, and I go, gee, I haven't had a fresh bean all season, hardly. So, all right, well, let's, uh, let's open with a word of prayer this morning. Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness in providing for us, and even as we go through difficulties and as we go through trials and ups, the ups and downs <clears throat> of life. We're thankful that you have promised to never leave us or forsake us, and we thank you for that. And sometimes uh, we just need that assurance. We thank you that we can be in your house this morning. We pray that you would quiet our hearts, and that we would listen to your word this morning. And we get so busy doing our our daily things that need to be done, and lunch after church and and things to do this afternoon and we pray that you're just quiet our hearts we pray that you would help us to listen to your word and that you would help us to grow and that we would be more like you we, again we thank you that uh, uh ian and miranda and nora are able to be back with us this morning and we thank you that uh, garrett is able to uh, bring the message this morning and we pray that uh your Holy Spirit would speak through him this morning. And uh, we pray that you would just revive our hearts and revive our church. And we pray that you would help us to be good testimonies as we go about our, our daily lives. We, again, thank you for everyone that is here this morning. and In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 our uh, scripture reading this morning will be found in Psalm 113 if you'd like to follow along with me Psalm 113 praise the Lord praise O servants of the Lord praise the name of the Lord let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the setting of the sun, uh, from, excuse me, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens, who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high. who who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sets them with princes, with the princes of their people. He settles the barren woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word today. And if you would turn with me to number eight, hymn number eight, and stand with me and sing, Come Thou Almighty King, and let's sing all four verses. Number
1: eight. Mm Come Thou Almighty King, Mother, all glorious, or all victorious. Come and reign. Spirit of holiness, on us descend. Come, holy comforter, thy sacred witness bear in this glad hour.
0: You may be seated. Thank you. Amen. <clears throat> we are. come now to our time of our morning offering. And uh, if, you're, um, if you have any per request, uh, if you would like to just uh, fill out one of those uh, per request uh, in, uh, in front of you and, uh, and put it in the offering plate as it comes by. Thank <laughs> you. again we thank you that we can be here this morning and we thank you for how you've blessed each one of us and we thank you that as the song was being played that you do all things well and we thank you for blessing us we thank you for this country that we have to live in and we just thank you for our jobs and many many blessings that you give to us each and every day We thank you for this offering that's been given, and we realize that every single bit of it is from you. And we're giving back just a portion of that to you. We pray that you would take it and bless it and use it for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you would remain standing, we will sing number 342, Rock of Ages. 342. sing all 3 verses
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And you may be seated. Thank you.
2: Well, good morning, church. Wonderful to be together with you all again. I'm going to take some time now to go before the Lord in prayer. I've got a few prayer requests here on the slips in the offering. Any uh, requests, praises, thanksgivings we want to remember together before the Lord? Brian. Okay, yeah, we'll continue to lift Brian's cousin Kathy up in prayer. Uh, She's in uh, the late stages of her life, and uh, Brian's not aware of the state of her soul, so we'll pray for her. Mm. Absolutely, Nancy wants us to pray for Afghanistan and all that's going on over there.
3: Mm. Um, their last name
2: is Tissue, so can you just lift up the Tissue family while we're here and spread the love? Absolutely. Thanks for sharing, Siri. So there's a family at, in Christ the King, the Tissue family, they're looking at adopting, uh, and the cost is just is astronomical, but they're really feeling led in that direction. So we'll, we'll pray for the Tissue family and, uh, and that the Lord would provide. Yeah, Christina. mm <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Paul. Uh,
1: a prayer of thanksgiving that our daughter Maria Wallace is able to spend a week with us, and we have to depart, we have to depart next Saturday. She's mm-hmm. drive back home with us um, to get us back
4: to Pennsylvania in one piece. <laughs>
2: It's wonderful to have you and Dee here and Maria as well. Yeah. We'll pray for safe travels in a week. Anyone else? Okay. Let's let's Oh, I'm so sorry, Shirley. Uh, my family in the south in the path of the storm. That's okay, is there a hurricane on its way? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Big one. okay. Ian? Yes, Maureen. Hmm. Okay. Well, it must be nice to have her have her close. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we'll we'll pray for for you and Charlie and Alan as your household expands. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning, and we sing to you. As the psalmist prayed, we make a joyful noise to you, our rock and our redeemer. We come into your presence with thanksgiving to make a joyful noise to you with songs of praise. And we do all this because you, the Lord, are a great God and a great king above all gods. In your hand, Father, are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also yours. The sea is yours for you made it and your hands formed the dry land. So we come to you this morning, Father, to worship and to bow down, to kneel before you, the Lord, our maker. For you are our God, and we are the people of your pasture, the sheep of your hand. And we confess, Father, that like sheep, we often go astray. Your commands are clear. Love of God that encompasses our whole lives and love of neighbor that's entirely self-sacrificial. And we confess, Father, that this week in word and in deed we've fallen short of that standard. Our hearts and our hands often stray from the rightful love and worship which you deserve. And our love for our neighbors is often half-hearted or mixed with impure motives. So out of the depths we cry to you, O Lord. Hear our voices. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of our pleas for mercy. Let's silently confess our sins unto God. As we confess, we pray with the psalmist with relief. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. With you, Lord, there is steadfast love. We know, Father, that in the name of Jesus we have found plentiful redemption. And so we ask for forgiveness with confidence, knowing that Christ's perfect work on the cross really is perfect to cleanse us from all of our iniquities. Through Christ's blood, Father, we ask that you would free us from the guilt, shame, and power of our sin, and that by your Spirit, you would lead us to walk in newness of life. We've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you, Father the gospel of Jesus. We have a number of uh, requests, needs, Lord, in our congregation we want to lift up to you this morning. Uh, We think of Andrea Littlefield. We pray that you'd uh, be with her, continue to minister, Lord, to her body and to her soul, that as she deals with the many afflictions in her body, that you would bring her close to you, Lord, we lift up to you, Kate, who's a young woman who works with Jane? We pray that you'd um, you'd be with her. She's facing terminal cancer. We don't know the state of her soul, but we pray, Lord, that you'd bring healing to her bones, but also, Lord, revival to her heart, that she might come to know you as she f- faces this great affliction and the threat of death. That she would find life in the name of Jesus. Pray that you'd work powerfully in her life by your Spirit. Pray for Brian's cousin Kathy as she too faces death. Pray that you'd be at work in her soul. You might even use Brian to minister the, the gospel to her. We lift up the Tissue family, Lord. We're thankful for Christ the King and their, their witness in the Belfast area. We, we pray for the Tissue family who's looking at adopting. Pray that you provide every need uh, that they have uh, as they're facing these great costs. Lord, we, uh, we, we know that these obstacles can often seem large to us, but to you, Lord, they're um, they're perfectly manageable. And so we, we lift up that need to you that you'd provide all that the Tissue family needs. We thank you, Lord, for the youth rafting trip we were able to go on this past week. What a joy it was to be out in your creation. And, Lord, we're, we're thankful for the young people who were able to go. We, uh, we're thankful for the ministry of Thrive Adventures as well. And, uh, Lord, but the, fu- the fun they were able to, to provide, but also the, the ministry as uh, they, uh, they walked the youth not only through a, a physical journey down the river, but um, also talking about uh, their spiritual lives and walking them through the risks uh, involved in being a Christian. And uh, Lord, we thank you for, for their ministry. pray that you continue to bless them. We're thankful for Paul and Dee Heinlein and their presence with us this summer. We pray that you'd be with them as they look towards heading, heading home in a week that you bless their travels, and we're thankful for Maria as well, Lord. Uh, thankful for that family. We lift up Shirley's family in the south as they're facing a hurricane. Pray that you keep them safe. You put a hedge of protection around them. And we pray, too, Lord, for uh, for Maureen and uh, Charlie uh, as they welcome their daughter Ellen into their home, and we pray that uh, for that household, Lord, and all the logistics of of adding some members to a a, a home. And uh, we pray, Lord, that in, in all of it, they would they would enjoy a sweet fellowship with one another, that you'd be glorified. We lift up to you Afghanistan. So much going on abroad, Lord, that causes concern. We know that the, the raging of the nations is all under your sovereign hand. And so we, we lift them up to you, Father. We pray especially for the church in Afghanistan as they labor under the threat of... Uh, of violence against them. I pray that you'd grant the pastors endurance and steadfastness and uh, you'd grant the people faithfulness, Lord, in the face of increased persecution and even death for the sake of Christ, that you would be glorified in their lives as they face this great trial. We're thankful, Father, for the assurance that you are you are king over all kings, and that even now Christ is seated at your right hand. We, we thank you, Jesus, that uh, you are Lord over all, even now. That's the assurance we have in the face of the raging of the nations. You, God in the heavens, you laugh as the nations rage. We look forward, Lord. We long for the day when you will bring peace to all nations, when by the strength of your right hand you'd put down the rebellion of the people of this world against your name that your name would be will be one day hallowed among the nations. We long for that day. We pray that you'd usher it in soon, Lord Jesus. Pray that we might be instruments in your hand uh, to be about the ministry of the gospel of reconciliation uh, in our church and in our community. Lord, we pray for the continued ministry of this church, that your gospel would continue to be faithfully proclaimed in the midst of a culture which, which often denies you, Lord in which rebellion only seems to be increasing. We pray that we'd be light on the hill. We pray that we'd be able to minister the truth in love. We pray, Lord, for the ministry of the word this morning as Pastor Garrett comes and preaches. We thank you for him and his ministry and for his family with us this morning. Uh, we pray that you'd speak through him as he brings the word, that you'd be at work among us by your spirit. We pray all this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Absolutely, yeah, school year starting for a lot of kids, whether homeschooled or starting Christian school or in the public schools, let's, let's say a brief word of prayer. Father, we, we lift up to you the young people of this church and of, uh, of Christian families all around us. Uh, Lord, we uh, pray a blessing over them, especially over Lyric and Maddie as they're starting a new school down at Penn Bay. We thank you for the ministry of that Christian school. Uh, pray that this would be a good fit, uh, that Lyric and Maddie would find friends, Lord, and uh, that they'd be drawn closer to you and that their walk would be uh, enriched as they're in this environment with, uh, with faithful Christian teachers. Uh, we pray too, Lord, for, uh, for those children in our church who are going back into public schools this fall. Uh, pray that you'd strengthen them in their walk, Lord, that you'd give them moorings that go deep, uh, that they'd be able to face, uh, Lord, the, the inevitable um, assaults on their faith uh, with, uh, with a peaceful and a quiet spirit that's settled uh, in the knowledge of their God and of their Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Our final hymn before the message is number 311. Hallelujah. What a Savior. And, uh, and uh, so often we we sing these songs uh in church but we uh every so often i sit down and i i look through the words of the songs and so much meaning and uh, so as we're singing uh 311 i like us just to contemplate the meaning of the words let's stand and sing all five verses of 311. hallelujah what a savior mm-hmm.
1: was he to die it is finished was his cry now in heaven exalted high hallelujah what a savior when he comes our glory.
0: thank you. <clears throat> I want to uh, welcome Garrett and his family uh, here this morning and Garrett will be bringing the message and I was just thinking that uh, that I knew them um, before they started coming here to the church and as they used to walk by we used to try to be an encouragement to them and uh, their family has grown since then and and we're um, and uh, and we we appreciate uh, uh, their ministry down in the Belfast area, and uh, just uh, pray that the Lord would continue to bless them.
5: Garrett. Amen. Thank you. Amen. It's nice to be with you guys. We're in Psalm 71. Psalm 71. In thee, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In thy righteousness deliver me and rescue me. Incline thy ear to me and save me. Be thou to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For thou, O Lord, art my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon thee I have leaned from my birth. Thou art he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of thee. I've been as a portent to many, but thou art my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with thy praise and with thy glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent, for my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God's forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there's none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually. I will praise thee yet more and more. My mouth will tell of thy righteous acts, of thy deeds of salvation all the day. For their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God I will come. I will praise thy righteousness, thine alone. O God, from my youth thou hast taught me. And I still proclaim thy wondrous deeds, so even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me, till I proclaim thy might to all the generations to come. Thy power and thy righteousness, O God, reach the high heavens. Thou who hast done great things, O God, who is like thee, thou who hast made me see many sore troubles, wilt revive me again. From the depths of the earth, thou wilt bring me up again, thou wilt increase my honor and comfort me again. I will also praise Thee with the harp for Thy faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to Thee with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to Thee, my soul also, which Thou hast rescued. And my tongue will talk of Thy righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disgraced who sought to do me hurt. Let's pray. Father, we ask that You would open our hearts and our minds and our mouths that we would Take in the bread of God, the wisdom of God, the living word, that we would live off what you say. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Uh, the book of Psalms is actually broken into five books within itself. And so there are five books, Se- 72 closes the second book of Psalms, and each of the book of Psalms corresponds to the five books of the law. And so thematically, what you end up seeing is, you see parallel thematic structures that correspond to the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So we're in the second book right now, Psalm 71. Psalm 72 is the last chapter in the second book of the Psalms, Genesis, Exodus. So what we see for most of book two Are themes of redemption, rescue, get me out of here, themes of exodus. And that goes right through the whole scripture. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Christ, who parallels the narrative arc of Israel, Christ at the Mount of Transfiguration, the scripture tells us, interacts with Elijah and Moses concerning his exodus. And so those themes go right through the whole Bible. And so we see in Psalm 71, sometimes the superscriptions teach us a little bit about it. Oh, this was a Psalm of David when he was being hunted by Saul. And we don't have a superscription here. It may be because it was connected to another Psalm at some point. But the portions of the Psalm, all throughout it, you could see cut and pasted from other Psalms. And so you see the repetition of concepts that God's people have always sung about. That's always there. These are repeated themes. And in Psalm 71, we have this idea of a man who's old, whose strength is gone, looking back all the way to before his birth and looking forward to renewed energy. He's looking back at all of God's faithfulness to his people and forward to generations that are to come. And you have these these, um, time-traveling components here how to look back rightly, how to look forward rightly. The psalm is a poem written by an old man, very likely it's David, who served God in the strength of his youth and now he has neither strength nor youth. And everyone around him is saying that since he's always attributed his strength to the Lord and now there's no more strength, the obvious conclusion is that Elvis has left the building. This psalm warns us about one of the most frequent errors in the history of God's people, thinking that since we can't be for God what we were at one time, God must have no more use for us. And what God teaches us in this psalm is the same lesson he teaches us throughout Scripture, especially in Philippians by the Apostle Paul. I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In every and any circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. We're being taught that when God is our strength, when God is our strength, we're gifted with freedom to have our own strength come and go. And it will. From birth to death, you will have heydays and valleys. You'll have high points and low points. You'll have times when you feel strong, and you'll have times when you feel obliterated, and you are not to operate on your feelings or on what it looks like, but on what God's word has said. When God is our confidence, we're freed to no longer be dependent on the the approval of others. If God is for you, what does it matter who is against you? And when God is our salvation and our righteousness, we don't need to live in fear that we might not be good enough. 1 Corinthians one thirty: the Son of God has become for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. With that, let's begin verse 1. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge? Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness... Deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. He's relinquishing his own uh, reputation. In your righteousness, do it. I'm a shell. I've got nothing left. In your righteousness, do it. These are phrases that repeat throughout the book of Psalms. As I said, when the psalmist says, let me never be put to shame. It's helpful to know, as some of your translations will mark, the word shame also means confusion here. The public display of someone whose way is not founded on the wisdom of God is a shameful thing. It's a shameful thing to be naked in public and to not know where you are, right? It's a shameful thing to be exposed as someone who is actually entirely and thoroughly confused. Everybody's afraid of it. It's why people all over the world are more afraid of public speaking than dying. Because what if I get up there and everybody knows I don't have a clue? It's a big fear, right? Because we're afraid of confusion being put on display as being who we are. confusion and shame ought neither be praised nor mimicked. And this helps us to understand why the Psalms so often ask for the wicked to be publicly exposed. You're not nicer than the Holy Spirit. So if the Bible actually says, let the wicked be put on open display and let everybody see that their way is ruined and let their teeth be bashed out of their head, you don't get to go, well, I'm nicer than that. I wouldn't say that. That's Jesus saying it. You don't, you don't get to be nicer than Jesus When the psalmist says, put the wicked on public display, it's a good thing. And we have to recognize what Scripture is doing. There's a relationship between confusion and shame and godlessness. And the world needs to know it because salvation is being rescued from those things. Salvation is being rescued, as we see in Psalm 71, from confusion and shame that is connected to godlessness and a lack of wisdom that only comes by eating God's Word like you die without it. This is a lesson our culture would do well to remember, a lesson my household would do well to remember, a lesson the Bible tells you all the way through, eat the Word of God or you die Eat the word of God or you die. Salvation here being pleaded is stated in such a way that it's dependent on the description in verse 1. Sometimes we, think, we hear the word salvation and we think justification, and that's going to create a lot of problems for you when you read the Bible if every time you hear salvation you think justification because the Bible talks about all kinds of things that are saving that not, aren't necessarily justifying. Ezekiel 17, when the wicked man ceaseth to do that which is is wicked and doeth that which is right, he saves his own soul alive. What? You don't want to hear justification. You want to hear, you just got rescued, bro, because wickedness will kill you. And when a person repents and does what God says, there's a blessing of life that's there. It doesn't mean they're going to stand in front of God and say, I did what is right. And God says, well, I have to let you in, right? You're justified by faith only in the blood of Jesus, But salvation is kind of like a a zip file. It's got all kinds of stuff when you unpack this. There's all kinds of ways that God's saving you every day. Save me, the psalmist is petitioning, from confusion, which here is the absence of wisdom and its resultant shame. The salvation of God answers this prayer. Rescue me, save me. The salvation of God answers this prayer in the form of the Word of God. The psalmist will sing about it over and over. The wise person is the one who eats God's Word like he or she would die without it. In Psalm 1, the person who eats God's Word is a person who can can feed others, constantly feed others. A fruit tree laden with fruit all year long. As a person who eats God's Word. We often erroneously think of God's Word as something like a vitamin supplement, and that's not true. It's not a vitamin supplement. We talk about God's Word like, well, I notice a difference in my attitude when I'm on it regularly, almost like it's B12. <laughs> it's not a vitamin supplement. It's bread and water. It's bread and wine. You don't eat it. You actually die. You shrivel up. It's not a little more B12. It's not, I did my devotions and I kind of like the way I feel every once in a while and I can recognize I'm kind, of, I'm kind of running a cleaner fuel when I do my devotions. No, you'll die. You'll die. God's word is wisdom and those who don't live on it are inevitably and necessarily servants of confusion and shame. Those who hate wisdom love death. Proverbs 8:33. Those are your options. Those who hate wisdom love death. Let's go to verse 3. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You've given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked. From the grasp of the unjust and cruel man, for you, O oh Lord, are my hope, my trust, O oh Lord. From my youth, upon you I've learned, upon you I've leaned. From before my birth, you are He who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. Having first asked for salvation from a confused and shameful end, he now asks for deliverance from the injustice that comes at him in the hands of others. The plea is based upon the fact that the psalmist trust is in the Lord. God, save me because I'm trusting in you. This is good currency that God always honors. If anyone trusts in the Lord, they will never be abandoned. If anyone trusts in the Lord, the psalmist says over and over, they'll never be put to shame. Doesn't mean you won't walk through a valley of shadow of death. It means you will not land in confusion. There will be light for your feet. You will know where you're going. You'll hear God's word this way, walk in it. You won't be lost. Those are all words from the Bible. If anyone trusts in the Lord, they will never be sorry without regret. That's a scriptural phrase about those who trust in the Lord. They will be without regret at having done it. They will never be denied. They will never be cast out. We could go on. Notice the transition in verse 6. Throws the responsibility back onto God for this long-standing faith. God, the psalmist says, it was you who started this thing to begin with. We know that if God's begun the work of faith, it is God who will be faithful to complete it. Philippians 1.6. And so we see a pattern here. Save me because you've called me to trust in you. Save me because you called me to trust in you. Save me because I trust in you. This is the ark. This is how he's building the hypothesis. You've always saved me. Therefore, I'll always praise you. Our present and our future are to be lived in light of God's historic faithfulness to his people. You know this, right? I was, when I first came to this church, I was a leftist, right? <laughs> and what what you see it in culture, right? When you don't know anything about where your country comes from, where your founding documents come from, it's wicked easy to set them on fire. Amen. You could care less. And all of a sudden, when you're actually rooted in the fact that this is where it all comes from, don't throw this stuff away. This is hundreds of years old and it's valuable and this took a long time to build like, like buildings. Don't just trash this. There's good things here to preserve. It's the same thing with God's word. God is constantly a God of covenant memorial who's calling you to look backwards at his faithfulness in order to live differently in the present. God's a God of, mem- of, of memory. And it changes the way you live in the present and what you think about the future if you're trusting in Him based on the past, which is what He's called you to. You've always saved me. You've always saved your people. Therefore, I will praise you now and forevermore. Amen. Our present and our future are to be lo- lived in light of God's historic faithfulness to His people. He doesn't change, and He's never failed His people. Anywhere, ever. When the believer approaches God for help, often inspired by some sort of trial, some sort of crisis, the history of how God's always dealt with his people is to come to our minds, and it's to be formative in our trusting of him now and our praise of him now and forever. He knows if you're trusting in him. Nahum seven. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. That's not only that. Remember the end game here is for God to have worshipers both throughout the trial. You don't worship him. You don't say to God, I'll worship I'll worship you when you get me out of the hole. I'll worship you when you change the law that allows me to worship freely, Daniel. No, you worship him in the trial. You worship him in the hole. You worship him when the chains are on your hands, Paul and Silas. You don't say to God, you're not God. You don't say to God, "Uh, you get me out of here and I'll serve you. That's Jacob's language, language when Jacob is still learning how to be a believer. You get me back here, God, he says to him at Bethel, and I'll give you a cut of the proceeds. <laughs> God wants worshipers in the trial, throughout the trial, and when the trial's over. Because his sovereignty shows his goodness is greater than our suffering. You worship him because his, his track record is good, Right? He's always saved his people. I can worship him now even though the trial's not over. I can worship him now because his track record's faithful and he's promised to never break it. He'll get us through this. Let's worship God. But also because when the trial's over, his sovereignty is gonna put something on display and that's the glory of God that you could even throw, the world could even throw satanic, evil, heartache, cry yourself to sleep at night for the last 25 years. You could throw this at God and watch what he makes lemonade with it. Watch what he does with evil. Watch what he does with suffering. That's called sovereignty. He one-ups always the best that can be done. God, God alone is the Lord of the living and the dead. And Satan does not have his own stuff. Essentially, at the core of the essence, God made everything good. Satan didn't then build some empire with all dark matter stuff and go, and all my stuff is evil. That's not what evil is. Evil is the corruption of what God made good. The stuff is all God's. It's not God against Satan. Satan is a created thing. He doesn't go against God as if he's the anti-God. He actually goes in the same drawer with all other created stuff like avocados, <laughs> porcupines. It's made stuff. Now, Satan, Satan can beguile anyone who's not, uh, he's stronger than people, unless you're abiding in Christ, because then the strength of Christ is yours. Right? But he's not an equal rival to God. And so we, th- we, we, go, into, we go into the valley of trial with this in mind, recognizing that it's not anybody's game. It's God's stuff. And God's sovereignty will elicit praise from his people, both in the trial because of his track record, and after the trial when you, just like everybody else for the last 6,000 years, realize, wow, he really did do it again, you know? There was like a whole bunch of water on one side and a whole bunch of angry dudes with guns on the other. And we were like, what is going to happen here? And what the cross of Christ shows you, especially into the resurrection, is that that is true even if he brings you into a valley where your body dies. One of the ways God's sovereignty glorifies him is that he allows you to experience suffering and trial and you come out on the other side of that valley with gems that only grow in those caves. Those who possess that treasure that they've mined in the caves of suffering, they're like new magi wandering the earth bringing these gifts to the destitute in worship of the king. God has the final word over suffering and evil because God is the Lord and not the devil. The good news is that death is swallowed up in life for those who are in Christ Jesus, not the other way around. Your physical death will not be death actually getting a knockout blow in on life. In Christ, the resurrection proves this. Your physical death is you shedding, dying. Keep in mind how these verses are not simply true of David's sufferings. They're not only true of your sufferings, but these are the prayers, these are the promises that are most true of Christ our Lord. In Luke 2, we're told from birth, the Christ child continued to grow in both wisdom and stature before God and man. That's these verses in Psalm 71. Just like David. The grace of God was upon the child, just like David. We're told the Son of God heard the word of God and obeyed it and believed because he loved God, just like David, just like Timothy. You remember from Psalm 22, Christ not only lamented the momentary and apparent success, apparent success, success of the wicked, fully human, but he also entrusted his own soul to the salvation of God. If God's word is true enough for Christ to believe it in the valley of trial, it's true enough for you to believe it there. Verse 7, I've been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. The psalmist, as as was the case with Christ, and it ought to be the case with us, recognizes that it's not only God's strength that is active in you, but it's the lesson of God's glory as well as the spirit of worship. God's not going to be strong in you because he wants conservatives to have the last laugh. God's going to be strong in you so that the glory of the nations comes to his feet. It's all about Jesus Christ. God will not abandon you so that Christ will be honored throughout the world. So that when you talk to your families who mock religion, when you talk to your neighbors and friends whose valleys of trials are riddled right throughout the fabric of their lives, you can say in faithfulness, God doesn't abandon his people. God's worthy of praise. Let me spill out for you what he's done in me, including all the crying and God's pattern of faithfulness and worthy of being worship. He's going to be strong in you so that the symbol of his strength might be a lightning rod for the glory of the nations to come to him. God's strength begets God's praise all the time. God is strong so that everyone who witnesses it will be praising him. All of that happens in us as we become portents. I've become a portent, a symbol, most true of Jesus Christ. Look, God lost. That's what everybody said. Hey, look, if God is with him, Right? Think about this. Psalm 71 is a meditation from Christ's mind. Look, God lost. Where's his strength now? He could heal others. Why doesn't he heal himself? He raised other people from the dead, huh? Well, he shouldn't be so scared. That's what what atheists say today. Look, if I've got Christianity right, hero comes to save people and they kill him, failed mission, bro. Loser. The cross of Christ is a symbol of what God has done. It's a declaration, and we follow it right through the Christian calendar, right to the resurrection and the ascension. All of that is essential for us to recognize when we take the Lord's Supper, we're proclaiming, we are declaring the cross of Christ as Victory. He's victorious through death on display to the watching world. And that's true of you. Whoever wants to follow me, Jesus says, must take up their cross every day, deny themselves, and follow me. Right? The father, Abraham, going up the mountain, the son going up the mountain carrying the wood on which he'll be offered. Right? What's the wood for, Dad? Keep going. Verse 9, do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. This is a duly loaded prayer that should remind us again of Christ's cry from the cross of Psalm 22. Christ, as with David, begs God not to abandon him in the shadow of death. The word of God echoes back the answer God will never abandon his people. That's the other end of Psalm 22. God will never abandon his people. Notice the psalmist does not only ask for God to be strong in him when his strength is gone, that's true, but also that he'd still be used by God when he has no strength to offer. Tribute offering was this offering where we'd take grain from the field, from God. God gave us grain, but then we sort of pounded it down and ground it down and added yeast or not, added sugar, water, a little milk, oil, put it in the oven and then we took what we did with it and we give it back to God. And now he's got no strength. This is crucial. You may have known what it was like to serve God in some capacity when that was your season. Perhaps you were generous when you had lots of money And now you've got no money, and you think, well, God's got no more use for me. Perhaps you used your back to move other people's pianos and furniture when you had a strong back. Maybe you had a bunch of kids when you were young, plenty of lunch all the time, and so you offered it to everybody you knew would benefit from it. That's good. David warred to the glory of God when his arms could bend the bow. And then when it started actually creating more problems for the army, they said, we love you. you got to kind of stay home from now on. What does that do to a guy who all of his record, everything he's been known for, everything he's declared as true, the way he's given glory to God was like this. And everyone was like, praise God. Wow. And now here, here he is crumpled up in his wheelchair. At one point, David could play the guitar to the glory of God, and now his fingers can't stretch across the frets, and it just buzzes. What about now? The psalmist has been a certain kind of guy, and he's been giving it all to the glory of God. And we need to remember that when an individual passes from death into life, and hear me, if you're trusting in Jesus, that's already happened. You have already passed from death into life that's the first resurrection John 5:24 When you believe on the word of God you have passed from death into life that individual that individual begins to live in a manner that will never end John 11:25 Verse 10, for my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together. They say, God's forsaken him. Pursue him, seize him. There's nobody to deliver him. Sometimes that's our voice that chants that. Sometimes we think we're alone. I'm alone. God's not going to help me. God's not answering my calls. That's what it looks like with the eyes of the flesh. That's what the cross of Christ looks like with the eyes of the flesh. Remember, you still have those eyes, even though you're redeemed. And those eyes are incapable of seeing the whole picture. What becomes the new eyes then for us? It's God's Word. Starting in Genesis, you see with your ears. That's why it's such a shame for Israel when they took off the ornaments of their ears, the glorifying of their ears, and they melted it down for something that their eyes could eat. It's a shame that they did that. It was a digression. If you don't believe the word of God, you're left with no other option than to see with the eyes of the flesh eyes that can only see death triumphing over life and God abandoning his children when their strength is gone. But praise God, all it takes is hearing and hearing the word of God for faith to again take the wheel. That's where faith comes from. I'm weak in the faith. I'm struggling believing. Eat God's word. That's how you get faith muscle. Verse 12, God be not far from me. My God make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt, but I will hope continually. I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord, God, will I come. I'll remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. And here we see a transition. David feels far from God. His faith is weak. He's praying for God to rescue him from confusion and from outward attacks. In verse 14, we see the worship of God turns unbelief and weak faith into something stalwart. The transition is the worship of God. See, when we are consumed with self-centeredness, when we're consumed with negativity and thinking, oh, it's so bad, it's so bad, and we, I can't get out of here. Do you see how tall this water is? The Egyptians, they're so strong. Oh, man, I can't afford this. You know how much I'm in debt. Ba, 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 ba. What's your object that you're obsessed with? The glory of God? No, you're disciples of the enemy. All your heart, your meditation of your mind, the meditations of your heart are constantly... The enemy, the enemy, the enemy, the enemy, the enemy, the enemy. God can't do anything. Goliath's so tall. This shouldn't surprise us, right? Because the Word of God tells us that God dwells in the praises of His people. It shouldn't surprise you that you found Him there. The Psalms continually teach us if you feel like you can't find God, go look in His room. He lives in the praises of His people. Psalm 22, verse 3. I'll praise you yet more and more. The psalmist sees this thing as having energy that grows. This is an expanding universe that the worshiper lives in. And what becomes of his converted state? He moves from unbelief to greater faith through the portal of the worship of God, and he ultimately ends up, what, evangelizing the world. That's quite a transition. God, where are you? Help. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to tell everybody that you should be worshipped. Right? God made a missionary out of this loser. That's awesome. Let's close. Verse 17. Oh, God, from my youth, you've taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, don't forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation and your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, oh God, reaches the high heavens. You've done great things, oh God, who's like you. Remember they used to sing that about David and he had to die to that. God has slain his tens of thousands and his thousands. David read read the press about himself. He knew it. And as he got older, he had to learn to actually die to what other people were saying that David was going, no, 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 it's not me, it's God, it's all God, it's all God. But he's a, he's a normal guy. And he actually did use his hands in those battles. And God had to actually crush his little hands and make them so they couldn't bend the bow or tune the guitar anymore and then all shriveled up like an old man who's constantly cold. Remember the story of David's life? This wasted shell of a man who used to be this powerhouse, when he's all shriveled up and everything, he starts learning, it's actually always been you, God. Guess who else learned that? Everybody else in the Bible. Jacob, everybody else. Jake, Jacob standing in front of Pharaoh. My, my life's worthless. It's been, it's been um, hard and long and bitter, and God's good. That's the lesson over and over and over. You've made me see many troubles and calamities. This is part of his worship. This is part of what he learned at the other end of the valley. You did this. Verse 20. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities. This is his worship of God. You will revive me again. If God brings you low, it's because that's the way to go up. From the depths of the earth, you'll bring me up again. That's truest of Jesus and everyone who's in him. It's the meditation of the apostles. We know that God brought our Savior low burdened him man of many sorrows put him low to the earth and raised him up and so we die in his crucifixion with him are buried with him in his death through baptism we are buried we go low and we go up with him you're raised with him in his resurrection you Paul says in the opening of Ephesians you're you've ascended with him you're seated with him in the heavenlies not will be our Verse 21, you'll increase my greatness and comfort me again. I'll also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness. That includes, structurally, calamities and trials that God gave him. Oh my God, I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. My tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long for they've been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. He looks now with the eyes of the apostles who after the cross proclaim how profound the victory of Jesus Christ actually is. The condemnation of the wicked is already upon us. They are condemned already. John 3. Believing in the Son of God brings someone out of the present condemnation and into life and into no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ now. And so that's why the transition of the verb tenses changes for the psalmist by the end. He's looking at it as a reality. Forty seconds ago, he was going, God, do this. You've, You've done it. His perspective has changed. You'll experience different seasons of strength being taken from you. You'll be forced by time to become things you did not want to become. Jesus says that to Peter. Someday you'll you'll be told to go where you don't want to go and somebody else will put your clothes on you and they'll bind you and somebody else will make you go with them. And John says he said this concerning the kind of death Peter would die. You'll go where you don't want to go It's not simply old age sapping strength from you, though. The whole life is patterned like this. A boy who then becomes a man, a man who then becomes a husband, a husband who then becomes a father. These are stages that strip us from the former way of living. When I was a child, Paul says, I thought like a child, but now I'm a man, I don't do childish things. And that's why in our culture, when you see husbands and fathers acting like boys still, well into adulthood, it's shame and confusion. There's no going back. And old age ends in a kind of death, but the gospel shows us That the believer has witnessed death being swallowed up by life in the cross of Christ. If you're in Him, you've crossed the river. Your body will die. But the victory of the cross is one that renders physical death not a taking away of life from you. That's not what it is, it's a taking away of dying. The cross is pure victory. It's not defeat in any way. And we need to, along with the psalmist, put the whole body to work in the worship of God, regardless of the station in which you think you're most comfortable. Spurgeon said, Since God's bread is always in your mouth, so should his praises be. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. 1st Peter 4:19. Amen. Father, thank you for the word of God. Feed us with bread from heaven, conform us to the image of God, the manna Jesus Christ, the bread from heaven that God gave to the world that we might live. Whoever eats of this bread, whoever drinks of this cup proclaims the Lord's death. We thank you and praise you for the true wine which is the blood of Jesus the true bread, which is the incarnate Son of God. In his name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing number 680, All the Way My Savior Leads Me.
4: All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide, heavenly peace? faith in him to dwell for I know whatever befall me Jesus do with all things well for I know whatever befall me Jesus do with all things well all the way my savior leads me cheers each winding path I tread Gives me grace for every trial. Feeds me with the living bread. Weary steps may falter. And my soul a thirst may be. Gushing from the rock before me. Though a spring of joy I see. Gushing from the rock before me. Oh, a spring of joy I see. All the way my Savior leads me. Oh, the fullness of His love. Rest to me is promised in my Father's house above. When my spirit clothed in mortal wings, I fly to realms of day. This my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. This my song through endless ages, Jesus led me
5: all the way. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.